Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yes, hello and welcome to Chapter 19 of the Dubious Book of Famous Deeds, the history podcast that looks at the world through the eyes of the Victorians as told by a book from 1889 that I found in an alleyway called The Pictorial Treasury of Famous Men and Famous Deeds. I'm your host, Paul Bates, and today I'm reading about Horatio Nelson, Lord Admiral of the British Navy, hero of the Battle of Trafalgar, closet anti-abolitionist, and, as you'll hear, not exactly husband of the year. We're going to talk a little about his life, but honestly, the book devotes more time to his death. So, hang on to your butts. It's a wild death. Joining me for this chapter is a very funny Toronto-based comedian. You can find her online on all the platforms. Please welcome writer, actor, Claire Blackwood. Claire Blackwood, thank you very much for being here. I'm so happy to be here. Let's read about Lord Nelson. I'm so excited. Uh, How much do you know about Nelson? I mean, I know that he was a Viscount, I think. He was a Vice Admiral. He was known for his uh, military naval strategy he fought against napoleonic forces and i think several battles and like lost various bits of himself along the way (laughs) yeah that's an a i give you an a oh Um, my god my like former gifted child in me is so happy about this uh i feel like we've covered everything i was gonna say so why don't we just wrap it up okay great Um, this is so fun thank you thanks for being here yeah the hero of Trafalgar. Horatio Nelson, perhaps the greatest sea captain ever known, was born in 1758 in Norfolk, of which parish his father was rector. Huge intro. I was going to say, I feel like this book has a little bit of a crush on Nelson already. Oh, like, the yes. greatest captain the world has ever known. Notice me, Nelson, notice me. <laughs> They're falling all over themselves just trying to just lay some praise on this dude. I think I read that uh, Admiral Togo of Japan identified him as his second favorite naval commander or something Ooh, like that. Ooh, second out. favorite, though. That's got to sting a little bit. <laughs> if he went to sea at the age of 12... As a midshipman, 12 years old, he actually joined at 12 as an ordinary seaman, but shortly after he was appointed midshipman. Yeah, midshipman is the lowest possible rank of an officer. Can you imagine going to sea at 12? Like, I was playing Pogs. Seriously, yes, I had Transformers and wrestling action figures. He went with his uncle. 
served under his uncle, Captain Maurice Suckling. Definitely one of the best names ever. He didn't want to talk about it. Yeah, that's right. Don't mention my name! God um, damn it! Yeah, because I'm pretty sure that he wasn't like from a hugely wealthy family, and so his uncle was his path to going places in life. Yeah, but also, not exactly rags to riches either. 12 years old and you're already an officer? Like, he was the lowest ranking officer on the ship, which means as a 12-year-old, people had to answer to him? Unacceptable. I would refuse. I'd be like, you're a child. You're a literal child. You probably can't even swim. So he began his officer training at the age of 12 under his uncle, Captain Suckling. <laughs> <laughs> in 1777, he was made a lieutenant, and in 1779, a post-captain. He now went out to the West Indies in command of the Hitchinbrook and distinguished himself by several gallant exploits on that station. Again, so. this author needs to cool it. We get it. You want to date this guy. Okay, so the West Indies. He was stationed there during the American Revolution. And so he sailed up and down the Central American coast, engaging the French who had supported the Americans, right? We uh, all know that from Hamilton. Yes, he fought David Diggs. So yeah, up and down the coast, claiming American prizes, engaging the French and Spanish. But also, while here, he married Mrs. Nesbitt, the widow of a physician by whom, however, he had no family. That's all we're going to hear about Mrs. Nesbitt. Yeah, and that's all he really cared about, Mrs. Nesbitt. You can tell from the last name alone, Nesbitt, she's clearly <laughs> the secondary character in this. Like, no one cares. We're talking about Francis Fanny Nesbitt, born unto the colonial elite on the Caribbean island of Nevis in 1758. So they were roughly the same age, I think. Um, well, that's unexpected and good. I know, right? Isn't that something? I guess, you know, though, he couldn't get married much younger. You know what I mean? Like, he started at 12. He spent almost a decade on the ship. And he's like, I guess it's time for me to get married. I've been I mean, his true love is the sea. After her parents died, Fanny Woolward married a Dr. Nesbitt. That's where she got her Mrs. Nesbitt. Very doctor name. He was a wealthy physician, but he died young. And so she was left a widow she lived with her uncle on his sugar plantation, Montpellier Estate. So, living amongst slaves. Oh, yeah. Um, Montpellier Estate is now a luxury boutique hotel. Of course it is. Montpellier Plantation and Beach. And if you can manage to sleep at night there, <laughs> it looks like a lovely place to visit. I'm sure you won't be haunted by any wrathful ghosts. Of any really pissed off slaves. <laughs> so they were married there. Her uncle promised Nelson a large dowry, but his wealth turned out to be a fiction. And so he received nothing from them. Oof. Nevertheless, they were married on Montpellier on March the 11th, 1787, which is a huge selling point on the hotel website. But... The most splendid part of Nelson's career commenced with the War of 1793. It would be altogether impossible for us here to present even the most rapid recital of the numerous actions in which he bore a part from this date until his death. I feel like Among that's just lazy writing. A hundred 
percent. I couldn't possibly begin to explain to you what happened. That sounds like me doing a book report. That sounds like a lot of work. So I'm just going to say that he did some cool shit. Yeah. I don't even know what war they're talking about. I looked it up. I think they're talking about the French Revolutionary Wars. Yeah, which leads into the Napoleonic Wars. Yeah, that's it. I'm slowly learning about all this because I had no idea which wars were what and where Napoleon fit into it. And it kind of blew my mind that Napoleon and Nelson were adversaries. Yeah, they all bleed into each other. Britain and France were just at each other's necks for pretty much the entirety of history. I love it. Yeah. It's like when somebody you weren't expecting enters the MCU for me, when Napoleon shows up. He just comes through a portal. Yep. This is historical fact. Yeah. He entered his boats during the wars by portal. Yep. Could have been Tobey Maguire, but it was Napoleon. Yep. Uh, <laughs> all right. So French Revolutionary Wars were, of course, the monarchies of Europe teaming up against the new French Republic because they couldn't stand the idea of a king who was also like their family being executed, right? They were all, it was all insidious. Interrelated. They all married each other. It was totally cool. No one had deformities and everyone was happy. Exactly. So he spends all this time chasing ships, firing on ships, blockading cities, uh, bombarding things, et cetera, et cetera. Being incredibly sexy while doing it. So sexy. Very like, fuckable. the whole time. Covered in bitches. And just pumped up like, like <laughs> every time he came on board he did like 100 push-ups before too coming, swole before to control to yeah yeah that's right thick nelson two c's uh <laughs> he also spent most of his service at this time in the mediterranean and here he met Emma Hamilton, a figure da, da, da. who will figure prominently with the rest of his history, uh, wife of Sir William Hamilton, the British ambassador to Naples. She was the former mistress to William Hamilton's nephew and future mistress to Horatio Nelson. Mm-hmm. So this lady, you know, she goes for what she wants. This lady has a wild and tragic Story. She started off as a maid in a hotel when she was 12, but it was not long before she was dancing at stag parties at 15. And the role of mistress started around then, literally getting passed off from rich individual to rich individual, as was the case here. This guy, William Hamilton, his nephew, owed him money. And so to clear his debts, he paid him his mistress. Wow, what fun currency. Uh-huh. That's like uh, instead of trading sheep and cows, you're trading mistresses. It's true. Look, take my woman. Um, I feel very respected. <laughs> like as a general rule. Renowned for her beauty. And yes, passed around like a piece of currency. But Sir William Hamilton uh, received that currency and married it. That's nice of him. Very gallant. You get that old white man's money, girl. Like, you go. Okay. He meets Emma Hamilton in Naples, but that's all that is. They just met. They caught each other's eyes. Now back to the exploits, okay? Wherever the cannon thundered on the deep, it might be said there was Nelson. When early in 1798, he presented his claim for a pension in consequence of the loss of his right arm in an attack on Tenerife, he stated in his memorial that he had been present in more than a hundred engagements. So, hundred battles. I only left that part in to talk about him losing his arm. 
Um, I was going to say we we glossed over the arm thing, and that was awful. And they did it obviously without anesthetic. Ooh, yeah. Here's the story: the Battle of Santa Cruz de Tenerife of 1797, a failed amphibious assault on Spain, whom they were at war with. Nelson led the assault, and as soon as he landed on the shore, was shot in the arm and rode back immediately. Uh, <laughs> the gallant hero! There yeah. he goes on his boat. <laughs> this way, man! Ah, oh, row me back! Back, 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 back! So he was rowed back, refused help boarding his ship, exclaiming, Let me alone! I have yet legs left and one arm. Tell the surgeon to make haste and get his instruments. I know I must lose my right arm, and the sooner it is off, the better. The arm was amputated, and within half an hour, he was back issuing orders to his captains. Okay, I'll give him that. Like, if I get a paper cut, I'm like, nah, I'm done for the day. Good for I'm, him. I'm taking the day. In fact, yeah. I'm taking the year. I would be like, I think this means I don't have to do anything anymore. Yeah, uh, <laughs> hello, government. I would like pension now. Thank you. Nelson's two greatest victories, as all our readers know were those of the Nile and Trafalgar. Trafalgar. The first was gained on the 1st of August, 1798, and affected the complete destruction of the enemy's force, all their ships except two being either captured or sunk. For this brilliant achievement, he was raised to the peerage by the title of Baron Nelson of the Nile. Great title. Fantastic. I'm surprised that it hasn't been made into some sort of movie starring yeah. Gal Gadot. So the Battle of the Nile is where we find Napoleon's army. Napoleon was trying to enter Egypt with his forces to try and cut a way through to India to diminish England's dominance in that continent. Nelson chased Napoleon's ships all the way to the Nile, pursued his expeditionary army to Egypt, his victory there made Nelson a hero across Europe, trapped Napoleon and his forces in Egypt. Don't know what happened to them. I didn't read that part, but presumably they made it back somehow. I don't know. I like um, to think that they just like took some selfies with the pyramids and then... Let's just go assimilate. Yeah, <laughs> why not? Yeah, that'd be great. The region will be stable forever. It'll be great. I'll bet you that crossed Napoleon's mind a couple of times afterwards, like, fuck should have stayed in Egypt. Yep. Okay, so Nelson was a celebrity after that. Huge victory. Everybody loved him. He was celebrated by the king in Naples, where he was hosted once again by Sir William Hamilton, the British ambassador, and once again ran into and paid a lot of attention to Sir William Hamilton's wife, Lady Emma Hamilton. She nursed his numerous wounds. He had been Ugh. shot in the head. And, uh, <laughs> okay. I know. Just FYI, shot in the head, MBG. And she also organized a 40th birthday party for him with 1,800 guests. Oh my God, they were totally boning. They engaged in a full affair after that. They made no secret of it. The news soon spread to the English papers, and they were famous as a couple. Even Sir William Hamilton knew about it but just overlooked it. He was just like, well, I'm a cuckold now. Uh, uh, carry on. And I mean, like, what's he gonna do? He's an old guy, he's got a wife. Divorce was very expensive, so he was probably like, I'm not gonna divorce this lady, just let her go and do whatever she wants. Yeah, and he's probably like, oh, 
Ah, oh, man. Normally I'd uh, take action against this guy, but it's Horatio Nelson. What am I supposed to do here? He'd beat me up with one arm. I'm going to lose in the court of public opinion here for sure. Yeah, that's that's fair. That sucks. Uh, yeah, it sucks. Thus began a long and uh, intense love affair. Everybody knew about this affair. Everyone, that is, except his wife, Fanny Nelson. So, that takes care of the life of Horatio Nelson. When we return, the death of Horatio Nelson in graphic detail. We'll be back after this brief but necessary break. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We're back. We've, uh, we've made it through the life of Lord Nelson all the way up to the Battle of Trafalgar, which also happened to be his last day on Earth. Let's pick up where we left off with Claire Blackwood. The Battle of Trafalgar was fought on the 21st of October, 1805, and there this renowned captain fell amid the blaze of the most splendid triumph ever gained upon the seas. Before the battle, certain of a triumphant issue to the day, he asked Captain Blackwood any relation? I wish! I wish. <laughs> if he was Scottish, maybe. I mean, uh, in every piece of pop culture, Blackwoods are always evil, so I want to think of this guy as evil. Okay, sure, yeah, Could, like secretly conniving. Twirly mustache, the whole nine yards. Well, let's just imagine that. Certain of a triumphant issue to the day, he asked Captain Blackwood what he should consider as a victory. That officer answered that it would be a glorious result if 14 ships were captured. Nelson replied, I shall not be satisfied with less than 20. Soon afterwards, he asked him if he did not think there was a signal wanting. Captain Blackwood made answer that he thought the whole fleet seemed very clearly to understand what they were about. These words were scarcely spoken before that signal was made, which will be remembered as long as the language of England shall endure. England expects every man to do his duty. They did that signal with flags. That's pretty cool. Interesting. They, they translated the entire line into flags. I was expecting him to just, like, scream it from his boat. Yeah, I know. That's easy enough. Just from boat to boat. Yeah. So here's a little rundown on the Battle of Trafalgar. Just a little context. I had no idea what this was. So this is going to be a fun little naval, like, this is, like, the very shortest possible explanation of what it was. French and Spanish forces were now allied and planning to invade England. And an allied fleet was on its way to take the English Channel. Nelson's fleet met the threat off the southwest coast of Spain by Trafalgar. Nelson's fleet was outnumbered 33 ships to 27. The prevailing tactical orthodoxy at the time involved maneuvering to approach the enemy fleet in a single line of battle 
and then engaging broadside in parallel lines. So you know how at the end of a kid's soccer game, they line up and they have to shake each other's hands or give each other's high fives? You know, it's like game, that game. instead of cannons. Yeah, exactly, that with cannons. Yeah. yeah. So Nelson's strategy was to sail his ships in two parallel columns directly into the flank of the enemy, breaking the opposing fleet into three separate groups by which they scattered and confused the enemy ships the French and Spanish ended up losing 22 ships. England lost none. He rammed their head ship or something like that. Yeah, bit of a Picard maneuver. Ooh, yeah. I mean, I'd like to say that Nelson goes on to live long and prosper, but spoiler alert, he does not. <laughs> yeah, pretty cool move. I don't know why no one would expect, uh, like, you should always account for maybe that the ships are going to just ram you. That's the first thing people think of. Like, I read about this, um, and apparently the captain of the sh like the opposing forces was like, you know, it's a thing that he could do, but he probably won't. We're not going to do anything about it. And they just made no preparations to deal with it. Oh, and then later on, he's like, God damn it. Why didn't I plan for this? Napoleon steps through his portal, see what's going on, and goes, fuck, we should have done something about this, and then just leaves. Okay, so that guy, I think his name was Villeneuve. Villeneuve, yep. He was captured at the end of this battle. He was sentenced to jail in England. He was allowed out on parole to attend Nelson's funeral. So, yeah, that's a little respect, you know? Yeah, okay. And then, once he was released... Tried to get work again as an admiral for France, but no one would return his calls. Oh, uh, buddy. And was eventually found dead in a hotel with six stab wounds in his chest. The police called it a suicide. Suicide. I was just going to say, clearly a suicide. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was a horrendous suicide. Real tragic. Yeah, he really yeah. went for it. Really went for it. Yeah. Okay, back to the story. This is the day he dies. Trafalgar. Okay. Oh, we missed him getting shrapnel in his eye. Everybody needs to know that at some point uh, he lost his right eye. That's right. Yes, I read this. And I think he lost a lot of his teeth as well. By oh, did point. he? Yeah. yeah. And, and he guess... comes home to Emma Hamilton and she's like, oh, great. Wow. <laughs> you, you are hotter than ever. So handsome. <laughs> He wore that day, as usual, his admiral's frock coat, bearing on the left breast four stars, ornaments which rendered him so conspicuous a mark for the enemy. It was known that there were riflemen on board the French ships, and it could not be doubted that his life would be particularly aimed at. But he resisted all entreaties to change his dress. In honor I gained them, he said, and in honor I will die with them. And die he did. Oh, man, who could have seen that coming? <laughs> the truth is he didn't have time to change. He's like, I don't have time to change. We're going I to war. I have important things to do. <laughs> Setting an example himself, he twice gave orders to cease firing upon the Redoutable. That's a ship. Supposing that she had struck because her great guns were silent. For as she carried no flag, there were no means of instantly ascertaining the fact. From this ship, which he had twice spared, he received his death. That's not exactly true. 
Nelson was wounded amidst 15 minutes of intense musket fire between the ships. So they had gotten right up against each other. I think they may have locked masts and they were just wildly firing at each other. That's what happened. The idea that the battle had stopped and he's being yeah. magnanimous. Standing on the bow of the ship, giving some yeah. sort of salute, his chest and, rippling in the wind. And then one guy just shoots him. That's, yeah. That's cinematic, but wrong. Yeah. A ball fired from her mizzenmast top. A mizzen top is the upper platform at the top end of a mast, which in the then situation of the victory, that was Nelson's ship, was not more than 15 yards from that part of the deck where he was standing, struck the epaulette on his left shoulder. He fell on his face on the spot which was covered. Sucks to suck. (laughs) This is getting sadly comical. He fell on his face on the spot which was covered with his secretary's blood. Uh. Captain Hardy, who was a few steps from him, turning round, saw three men raising him up. They have done for me at last, Hardy, said he. I hope not, cried Hardy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he replied. My Backbone is shot through. That's remarkably accurate. That's some good self-diagnosis in the heat of battle. It's pretty good. Yeah, the ball entered his left shoulder, passed through a lung, and then his spine at the sixth and seventh thoracic vertebrae and lodged two inches below his right shoulder blade in the muscles of his back. So uh, he was like, yeah, they got my spine. Oh, Hardy, they have shot me between my sixth and seventh thorax <laughs> vertebrae. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> That's all he ever said. <laughs> oh, Hardy. It's the only words he knows. <laughs> I hope not. Uh, that's Thomas Hardy, served as a flag captain to Admiral Lord Nelson and went on to play Bane in The Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> They've shot me. I hope not. He was born in the sea. (laughs) Yet, even then, not for a moment losing his presence of mind, he observed as they were carrying him down the ladder that the tiller ropes, which had been shot away, had not been replaced, and he ordered that new ones should be rove immediately. Then, that he might not be seen by the crew, he took out his handkerchief and covered his face and his stars— Three hours and three quarters after he had received his wound, he died. His last words being, Thank God I have done my duty. Okay, this guy needs to calm. He needs to chill on that. I like that the idea is, like, he doesn't want to, oh, I was like, I don't want to upset my crew. So instead, he's being <laughs> carried down, his face covered in the blood of his secretary, a bullet in his spine, Uh, He stops to give some orders. Uh, Tie those tiller ropes, would you? Pulls a handkerchief and just drops it on his face and then gets carried away. And his crew's like, oh, that's okay then. If I'm a sailor, I'm like, that was fucked up. Yeah. But then Uh, they're all half drunk anyway. So like. Yeah, that's right. They're like, did that happen? Did I just see that? Did he just cover himself with a handkerchief? In reference to Nelson's character as an officer, Mr. Southie says, never was any commander more beloved. He governed men by their reason and their affections. They knew that he was incapable of tyranny, and they obeyed him with alacrity and joy because he possessed their confidence as well as their love. 
He never inflicted corporal punishment if it were possible to avoid it, and when compelled to enforce it, he who was familiar with wounds and death suffered like a woman. Wow. Wow, Nelson. Okay. <laughs> I would like to speak to the author of this book for that particular oh, word usage. He turned into a real woman when he saw people suffering. God. In his whole life, Nelson was never known to act unkindly towards an officer. To his midshipmen, he ever showed the most winning kindness. I think that's where we're going to stop because the rest of this is a huge account of his two-day funeral extravaganza. The first day was completely at sea with barge following barge following barge of mourners. The second day was all at church. Everybody in the entire city was invited except for Lady Emma Hamilton and their daughter Horatia. Yeah, there are so many little shitty tidbits about those kind of things. When he divorced Fanny, she actually got half his fortune. And then Horatia and Emma got like nothing. And then she became a destitute alcoholic. And yeah. it was very sad. And also I read, I thought this is very fun. They brought his body back in like a tub of brandy. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's got to be a couple of sailors who were in charge of this. And then late at night, they were like, I'm so thirsty. <laughs> I mean, should we? Yeah. And like, um, maybe it'll imbue us with his essence. <laughs> Let's drink his essence. Yeah. Here's the aftermath of his love life, all right? He was quite in love with Emma Hamilton, is said to have asked for her at the moment of his death. By the end of 1800, five years before his death, Nelson not only was having an open public affair with Emma Hamilton, but he had stopped all correspondence with Fanny Nelson. She was writing letters to a mutual friend. The letters portray a woman who is confused, upset, hurt, blaming herself, heartbroken, like, I don't understand why you won't write me back. And then she's being really nice about Emma Hamilton. Like, she's like, she's oh. really nice. It's nice that he has a good friend. Oh, God, like my heart. I know, yeah. And this friend writes her back and, and is trying to let her down. Everybody knows but her. And then Fanny and Emma actually met on two occasions. On the second one, she helped an ill Emma out of a theater, and only then did it dawn on her that Emma was in the late stages of pregnancy with Nelson's daughter. She confronted Nelson, I think, again, by letters. Passive aggressive, but I'll take it. And he was like, I'm just going to keep seeing Emma. And I resent you saying such bad things about her. He eventually just stopped talking to her, stopped writing her, stopped opening her mail. So he ghosted her. He ghosted her. He completely ghosted her. Yes. Even when he was in London, he lived with Emma in a mansion there and didn't contact his wife at all. After Nelson died, his wishes were for the government to take care of Emma and Horatia. Parliament, of course, refused and turned its back on her because they were scandalized by this. So neither of the women of his life ended up happy at all. I'm shocked. Um, Emma was unsupported financially, received a paltry yearly stipend from Nelson's will, eventually ran out of money and had to sell all her possessions. Fanny received Nelson's pension and his fortune, like you said, never remarried. She lived to 70 and died wealthy but heartbroken. 
Emma moved to France and died shunned, alcoholic, and depressed at the age of 49. What a great guy. Uh, what a gallant champion. <laughs> destroyed 22 ships and two lives. <laughs> yeah. But at least he had the wherewithal to cover his face with a handkerchief. That's right. Don't want to upset anybody. It's kind of funny to me that this affair started right when he turned 40. <laughs> it's mm. like, wow, la plus que ça change, you know what I mean? Yeah, and he lived with them, apparently. Like, he just full-on lived in their house. That's right. Sir William Hamilton's like, well, well, uh, enjoy lovemaking to my wife. Uh, I'll be upstairs uh, with a pipe. I'm going to read aloud to myself so I don't hear you, if you don't mind. So just tell me if you need me to keep it down. Uh, I don't want to disturb. Um, Let me know if I can help in any way. Oh, yes. If you'd like some refreshments or some uh, carbohydrates, I'm happy to provide. <laughs> What a nice man. What a nice man. What an English gentleman. Please help yourself to tea. Crumpets and, and my, my wife. wife. That's all I have to tell you about Horatio Nelson. Only that one of the guests and dignitaries at his funeral was a man named Peter Parker. What? Yeah, I know. So maybe a portal did open up. Maybe Peter Parker was Napoleon in disguise. Andrew Garfield just weeping silently at Horatio Nelson's funeral. <laughs> It's canon now. It's canon. Kevin Feige, do I have a movie for you? <laughs> you can find Claire on Twitter and Instagram at Claire Blackwood. That's C-L-A-R-E. I know there's lots of Claire's out there, and they all spell their name a little different. C-L-A-R-E Blackwood. That's our episode for this week. My thanks again to Claire for joining me. Hey, if you like the show, give it a rating or a review on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find the show on Twitter at Famous Deeds or on Instagram at Famous.Deeds. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BatesBot9000. I'm not on Facebook. I hate it there. This show is part of the Sonar Network. Check out thesonarnetwork.com and listen to all of their amazing podcasts. Next episode, it's another famous death. When James Cook died, the British elevated him to the level of a deity. Except not as their deity. They forced him onto a completely different culture. Classic British Empire. The death of Captain Cook is next. Until then, I'm Paul Bates. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar! It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.